You guys can grab your handouts, open your Bibles to Matthew 5. You can mark Psalm 29. I think we'll turn there this morning. My friend Vance Havner, you guys might be like, he's not your friend. Do you guys ever read someone's books that they begin to feel like they're your friend? I hope all of you say, yeah, because I read the Bible, Pastor. <laughs> but there are those guys that you read, and I, I really appreciate Vance Havner. And he once said this prayer, Jesus is all we have. He is all we need and all we want. We are shipwrecked on God and stranded on omniscience. I love that. This morning we're going to be continuing on looking at the Beatitudes that are found on the Sermon on the Mount. This morning we look at, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Show of hands. Of all of you here, how many would say this is your favorite of all the Beatitudes? Not one of you guys. You like the other one. I mean, they've been so good. Maybe you guys are just your mean pastor making us pick our favorite one. They're all, this is my favorite one. I'll ask you guys again at the end of service and see if I've changed your mind. Paraphrase translation, put it this way. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind, your heart, put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. In the converse of this beatitude would be Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, where it tells us to pursue peace with all people, okay, and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Okay, so you guys see how the pure heart would be connected to pursuing <coughs> that peace, that holiness? Yeah. Oh, my cracker got stuck in my throat. <laughs> which, by the way, I often skip the cracker. If you guys ever are like, why isn't Peter partaking of the bread? Does he know something we don't? No! <laughs> it just gets caught often. Anyways, um, it's not enough to clean up our life on the outside. I think you guys know that, right? You've been in the Word long enough. It's not just what we do. We're not saved by good works. It's not putting on a show. Look at how great I am, world. Look at God, what I'm doing for you. Because we know better. We know God looks at what? The heart, right? What sorrow awaits you, teachers of the religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites. For you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish but inside, you're filthy, full of greed and self-indulgent, you blind Pharisees. First wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. Wow. That's pretty good. It's because Jesus said that. Okay? Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> you guys understand. He says, hey, what matters is what's on the inside. That's what matters. My wife's best friend lives in Idaho. Idaho has a lot of Mormons that live there. And I don't know if you guys know any Mormons. There are some of the nicest people. Very nice, religious, good people. Her dad is a pastor um, of a church there in Idaho Falls, assistant pastor. He had been a sheriff uh, for many years there in the county, and he retired early to serve at the church. Well, predominantly Mormon. Everyone's very good, very religious. I love vacationing there with my family. My wife finds very modest clothing because they dress modestly there, so she likes to shop there. We love going for walks with our kids. I don't worry about my kids. Every person you walk by is hello. Everything looks great on the outside. They even have rental stores where it's illegal to do this, but because everybody's Mormon, they don't care. They've went through and redid all the videos people watch and take out all the swear words and all the bad stuff. And they have rental stores and they're okay with that because they're good people. Well, my wife's best friend's dad, who was a sheriff for a long time, got to see into the homes, what was on the inside of all these Mormon families for decades in this community. And it is filthy. The stories that he shared, what's really going on behind closed doors. Guys, we can make things look good on the outside. God doesn't really care about that. He cares about what's going on on the inside. God's not too crazy about religion because that's what religion does, right? Do this, do that. Hey, he's a really good person. She's going to heaven for sure. Look at what they do. Lord, Lord, look at all the stuff we've done. Look at all this, right? Matthew seven twenty one, And Jesus is going to say to them, but I never knew you. What did you do what you did on the outside? <laughs> did you know me? Were you born again in my spirit? What was on the inside? Did you have that new heart? You see, I think we forget that Jesus wasn't and isn't after a society that has no effects, say, of adultery or acts of murder. Yet so often, that seems to be what Christians are after politically. A moral society. Jesus said it's way deeper than just committing adultery or murder. It's a matter of the heart. So Jesus' aim is not to reform the manners of society, but to change the hearts of sinners like you and me. And guess what? That changes a society, guys. What is our hope? <laughs> That's our hope. The gospel is our hope. What are we called to live for, for God. And what is he asking us to do? To go and tell others the good news. Pretty simple. But there's all these justice factors and wrongs, and we need to address them and do things. Amen. Great. That's all secondary, guys. <laughs> People need Jesus. That's the change the world is longing for but it's the change they don't want to look to. You see, it is a matter of the heart, literally from the inside out. So blessed are the pure in heart, right? That's what verse 8 says. The word heart in the Greek, of course, is cardia, 
The heart is the inner man with his many functions. It is his emotions, right? Didn't Jesus say in John 14, let not your hearts be troubled, right? So it's those inner emotions. The heart also refers to an intellect. Why reason these things within your hearts? Jesus knew exactly what these religious dudes were doing. Hey, you're, you're thinking through. It's a heart issue. The heart also refers to the will. I love Daniel 1.8, but Daniel purposed in his heart, right? His inner person not to defile himself. He purposed to do that. So the heart is the master control area of life. Solomon said, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So the heart, the center of the inner life of the person where all spiritual forces and functions take their origin. So the heart is what you are in the, really the secrecy of your thoughts. Would that make sense? Okay. Or your feelings. That's what's going on. And oh boy, son, I'm asking you to teach this week on the pure in heart. Let me tell you what. <laughs> God took you through it the last few weeks, guys. Really, the frustration, the anger. I just don't know if it was magnified because I'm really thinking about these truths of the heart. I'm like, I'm the most wicked person upon planet Earth. You know? Some of you guys might come along for the ride, hang out, come into my home. Like, everything seems okay. Man, but God sees, we see, we know what we're really thinking. Why do we think those things? Why are those things in our heart? What's going on? What needs to be repented of? What do we need to change? What thinking do we need to realign with God's thinking? What his word has to say? You see, what you are at the invisible root matters as much to God as what you are to the visible branch. You see, Jesus didn't come into the world to reform some bad habits. We need to grasp this. But to purify dirty hearts, that's what he does. That's the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's what the Word of God does. Okay, here's my Bible pack right here on the side. I got John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. The word of God is going to sanctify us, guys. So, Jesus has come not to make bad people good, but to make dead people alive, to swap his righteousness for our wrongness. So the pure in heart, the word pure, Cathar us, okay? So clean or undefiled, unmixed, to be pure, okay? That kind of makes us think of what? Being clean, right? To be pure, to be clean. We get the English word, the medical term from catharos. The doctor uses is cathartic. You guys have heard that before, right? Which stimulates evacuation of the bowels, okay? It'll clean you out. It's purgative, it's, it's a laxative, it cleans you out. A psychiatrist will also use it as catharsis, okay, the emotional level to cleanse the patient 
of whatever hostilities or destructive attitudes they may have, whatever. Even crying is known to be cathartic, okay? Right? It releases the junk. It's good. So you guys understand when God is saying the pure in heart, okay? The pure to be cleansed in that way. So there's also a spiritual catharsis that takes place on the cleansing of the inner man. That's why it's so good to be in the Word. That's why God calls us not to forsake the assembling together. Fellowship is what we're called to. Why? Because there's a deceitfulness of sin. If we're left to ourselves, oh, we're okay, this is all right. It's not that bad. No, we're to be together, to exhort each other, to encourage each other. So undefiled, unmixed. So the second meaning really refers then to a straight, undiluted, consistent, plain, pure, unadulterated, okay? So that's kind of what this word is all-encompassing for us. Um, yeah. Um, milk. Skim milk's not milk, guys. I mean, I'm sorry for you guys who drink skim milk. I can't stand it. Like, you add water, it's just, why even bother? Why waste your time, right? It's kind of like the the gold. You want to get the dross off, right? Get all the junk, the impurities out. You want pure gold, okay? Or like the wheat, get rid of the chaff. That's what he's talking about, okay? The, The pureness, there. So the basic idea is to have this integrity or a singleness of heart as opposed to duplicity or being double-hearted or divided in heart. So in the Old Testament, we heard of contrast between the ritual suitability and the unsuitability before God. What was okay and not the states of being either holy or profane, which allowed or denied someone access to God in the Old Testament. So Jesus' original audience then, think about who he's speaking to. Is he's there on the mount preaching this sermon, sharing these beatitudes. This original audience would have made no distinction between having a pure, a heart that would be pure, from sin in general. They wouldn't understand that in a heart free from ritual impurity, okay, in the practical. So when God cleanses the sinner, he does more than just wash away sin. You guys need to understand this. It's a lot more than this. You see, he puts within him a new heart. It's not just your sins are forgiven and washed away. No, I'm going to give you a new heart, that wants to what? Focus wholly upon him. You guys know what I'm talking about? When you're born again, you guys remember? You don't care about anything else anymore. (laughs) It's all Jesus. You have a hard time working. You have a hard time doing anything that you used to enjoy because what? Jesus. That's why I think we're exhorted to return to our first love. That's where he wants us to be, that our heart is not divided, that it is all him holy him if you don't know jeremiah 32 38 if you don't know that you need to turn there in your bible right now because you need to circle it and highlight it and star it it speaks to the new covenant jeremiah 32 38 and 39 says they will be my people 
Okay? This is prophecy that was being given by the prophet Jeremiah speaking to the new covenant. And I will be their God, he says. And I will give them one heart and one purpose to worship me forever for their own good and for the good of their descendants. That's why it's so important that we are born again of the Spirit of God. Because when we are born again of the Spirit of God, what are we going to care about? Well, according to the Scriptures, to worship me forever. That's what this new heart is given for. If you're a Christian who worships the Lord and then you walk away from the Lord, guess what? You're probably never a Christian to begin with. Why? Because when you're born again, He gives you this new heart. And this new heart is going to be in place for you to worship Him forever. So, the second part of this beatitude, for they shall see God. Okay? Well, the opposite of seeing God would be spiritual blindness. Do you guys agree with me? Spiritual blindness. There's some people that don't have a clue. They just don't get it. They're completely blind. They don't get why you're here today. Why would you go to church? It's the weekend. You worked hard all week. Sleep in a little bit. We start late. So, spiritual blindness. See God, right? Um, likely this is an allusion to the temple entrance liturgy that we did earlier in Psalm 24, and especially verses 3 to 6. Again, the chorus would come in, they would sing, a voice would respond in verse 3, then another voice would answer with them in verse 4, which it's in your bulletin if you want to look real quick. It says in verse 3, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a what? Pure heart, right? Who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, or to what is false, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive blessing from the Lord in righteousness from God of his salvation. This is Jacob. Again, Israel, those who are governed by God, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. We are seeking him, guys. That's why we're here this morning. It's about him. We seek him. I want to be faithful as a preacher to preach Christ and Him crucified. I have a lot of great ideas on how we can do life a little better and you all could be a little happier. And guess what? It's God. (laughs) We keep looking to Him. So I want you guys to note as we consider this psalm, it talks about these clean hands. That would be right actions, right? What are your hands doing? Are they right before the Lord? And then the heart then would be the right attitude because we can do the right things, but if our heart's not in it, who cares? You might be helping out your neighbor because I'm a Christian and I'm supposed to love my neighbor. I don't want to help him do this. I have other things I want to do. You might do it anyways because you know it's the right thing to do, but is your heart right in it? Do you have the right attitude in doing it? When you come to church to worship, to give to the Lord, is your heart in the right place? Well, I know it's what I'm supposed to do, but is your heart in it? That's what he wants. And honestly, guys, if you give and you have a bad attitude, we don't want your money here. God doesn't want your money. That's a wrong heart. He cares about the heart. 
He loves the cheerful giver. He wants our attitudes to be those that are pleasing to him. So you guys getting this, the clean hands is that outwards life. So what monarch would want to have servants with filthy hands sitting at his table? You see, guys, there's two questions that come to mind then. Well, how do I get clean and how do I keep them clean? <laughs> right? If I'm to have this clean heart, to purify our hands, our hearts, what's up with this? Well, we need to wash them in the basin of Jesus' blood. <laughs> that is all we can do, guys. Because our righteousness, it ain't good. <laughs> it's his righteousness. And then we keep washing them over and over and over again. You see, a pure heart, that's the inward life. So God brings the hands and the heart together because we do what we do because we are what we are. Does that make sense? I worship God. Why? Because I love Him. <laughs> I honor Him. You get that? It's the same way why I do what I do with my spouse. <laughs> I love them. I care for them. My children, my neighbor, whatever. But the same is true. Okay? He cares about our hands and our hearts. So true religion is heart work. Dirt in the heart throws dust in the eyes. James 4.8 again, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. That is a call for us this morning. Double-minded is when you try to be a friend with the world and a friend with Jesus. It's hard. It's really hard. It's one of the hardest things for me as a pastor is seeing a brother or sister that got a foot in both worlds sitting on that fence. It's just like, come over. You're having so much heartache. You keep going through it. If you just quit playing with the world and just give it up. Just love Jesus. It's kind of like a woman in love with two men. It just doesn't work, guys. It doesn't work. So purity of heart is when we give our full and total allegiance to God. It's when we love God with all of our heart. Not with part, not with a double or divided part. Okay, It's a heart with no deception. It's no double-mindedness. It's no double allegiance. I see God or to see God, is really to be admitted into his presence. Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He is with you. Do you see him with you? Well, I don't, Pastor. I get glimpses once in a while. He's right there with you guys. The real question, where is you gone? Where is your heart? You see, in the same way that you call to see your doctor, okay, you don't mean that you want to see him or her from a, a distance or maybe a photograph of your doctor. No, I want an appointment. I need to see my physician. 
You guys get the point. <laughs> it's the same with Jesus. I want to see God. I want to be admitted into his presence. That's what I want. That was my prayer with my family on the way to church today. God, if you don't show up, <laughs> we don't want to do this. Otherwise, we're wasting our time. We want to be in his presence, guys. And not just his omnipresence. Yeah, we know he's everywhere. That manifested presence of God. That's when it's good. That's when it's sweet. So to see God is to be awestruck by his glory. You guys ever find yourself awestruck by his glory? I hope so. hope so. I enjoy watching good movies. And it's hard because there's really not that many. <laughs> but you guys ever watch a good movie and you're just like after, like, wow, that's awesome. And then like five seconds later, then you start thinking about, wait, well, wait a minute. Why'd they do it that way or that way? You know? I don't know about you guys, but when you're in awe of God in that place, it is just sweet. And there aren't the questions. You just enjoy. It lingers. And you want to go back. I can't wait to get back. I want to be in that sweet spot again. In his presence. Seeing him just being in awe. It is good. It's what we've been created to do. Job said this. Listen carefully. And if you guys don't know Job, Job had it rough. Okay? God said, all right, Satan, <laughs> I love Job. He's a righteous dude. <laughs> you know? But if you think it's just because I've blessed him and I've given to him, <laughs> have your way. You guys remember the story, right? Job went through it. And there, there's this passage we find in chapter 42, verses 5 and 6. He said, I had only heard about you before. But now I have seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said, and I sit in the dust and ashes to show my repentance. <coughs> have you guys ever done that? <clears throat> I thought I got it. I thought I knew God. <laughs> but I got to repent. Because <laughs> I've just seen you in a whole new light, a whole new reality. You are so much greater and bigger and beyond what I thought. I am so, so sorry. That's a good place to be in, guys. And I really believe that our God is a big God. And the more we seek him, the more facets of who he is we're going to see. More of his faithfulness we're going to see. We're going to see him when we're pure in heart. Do you guys know that he's faithful even when we're faithless? I think a lot of Christians don't even know that or see that because they're so caught up in their stuff, they don't even know they're being unfaithful because they're about their thing. They're running with the world. And God's still being faithful. Because let me tell you what, if you're a child of God and you're running the world, what is he going to do? He's going to get your attention. He's very patient. Very patient. But he loves those, he'll correct those whom he loves. It gets to a point where, hey, <laughs> you're going to get spanked. And he's going to bring you back. And sometimes those spankings come when we didn't even know that we were off. <laughs> okay, Lord. 
I'm so sorry. I didn't see, I didn't know, but now I've seen with my eyes. I know now. I repent. And then you have that true repentance. Repentance that is worthy. I ain't going back there. I've learned my lesson. You see others in a light the scribes and the Pharisees saw tax collectors and sinners as rebels. But Jesus saw them as what? Lost coins, lost sheep, lost sons. I think we need to really ask God to purify our hearts. We're told to do it, but we need his help, amen? Amen. We need his grace to do that. And I think it is a good prayer for us. It's good to examine ourselves. It's good for us to be crying out to God, help me to see others as you see them. So let me tell you what, guys. Life is way too short to be critical. Way too short to cast judgment. We're called to love. We're called to love people. We're called to see people like Jesus saw them. And a person that doesn't know Christ, they're just lost. They don't know any better, guys. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 together. Verse 1, 2 Corinthians 4, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we don't lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in the craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God, But even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but we preach Jesus Christ. And I do believe, guys, when we are pure in heart, we shall see God. And this word that Jesus is giving isn't, hey, look at how great I've you know, become, how on I am with Jesus. I think we see God in brokenness. Amen? I mean, that's the truth. In hard times, in trials, in true brokenness, we see him. And in that, God allows us to see And when we are able to see him, guys, I think that's when we're able to get our instructions best from him. Sometimes we're in that place, what do you want me to do, Lord? Where do you want me at? But if we're really seeing him, we're going to be like, oh, wow. (laughs) This is it. This is where you want me to be. (laughs) I'm set. You see, our spiritual sight, guys, in this life is mediated to us really through the word of God. Do you guys take the word seriously? Do you take the time to study, to look? 
You see the work of God in providence. You see, we see images and reflections of his glory. We get glimpses all the time. We hear echoes, reverberations of his voice. But what do we do with it? Do we receive, obey, (laughs) and do something with it? But there will come a day when God himself will dwell among us. His glory will no longer be interfered by, you know, lightning and mountains and roaring seas and constellations of the stars. Instead, we're going to experience that experience of God. It will be absolutely direct. I look forward to that. His glory will be the very light in which we move, right? Revelation 21, 23. And the beauty of his holiness will be tasted directly like honey on the tongue. I look forward to that. Eventually, we will know, we will see his face. Revelation 22, 4 says, and they will see his face and his name will be written on their foreheads. Yet Jesus is promising a vision of God here and now. And I, I want us to grasp this truth of what he's telling us in Matthew 5, 8. The pure in heart shall see God. I so look forward, I can't wait to get home, to be with him completely, okay? No more sin to deal with, no more wrong thinking, impurity, you know, just to be finally free from all this sin and to be with him and to be able to comprehend and understand. It's going to be wonderful. But God himself is telling us here, it is here and now. We have this promise of the vision of God. So it's the principle. We see what we love. You guys get that. We see what we love. And if what we love is God, we will live in a world that is filled with God. We need to see that. One of the things I love about my helpmate, about my wife, about Sonny, Okay, I get negative. It's easy for me to get negative. And she reminds me of how God may be in this situation. I'm looking at it this way. (laughs) But let's see God in this. And I'm so thankful for that help in my life. And she does a great job of doing that through the years for me. But you know who even does a better job than my wife? The Holy Spirit. (laughs) He's constantly reminding me, hey, son, (laughs) I'm at work here. Don't miss me here. See what I'm doing here? Be open to what I'm doing here. He's up to things. And we need to be aware of that, to have that discernment, to be in tune with him in that way. Um, David, let's go to Psalm 29. We got time to share this. David did. Psalm 29. And I'm not talking about seeing God like in your macaroni and cheese or something. (laughs) I think David, if you had little kids, you know what I'm talking about. Um, Let's look at verse 3 here. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, 
The Lord splinters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes them also skip like a calf. Lebanon and Siron like young wild ox. The voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes a deer give birth and stripes the forest bare, or strips the forest bare in his temple. Everyone says, Glory. The Lord sat enthroned at the flood, and the Lord sits as king forever. Don't you love that, guys? Just in normal stuff, David's like, Hey, I see the Lord in this. I see the Lord in this. Are our hearts, and what do we know about David? He was a man after God's own heart. He had a heart for God's heart. Do you have a heart for God? Do you care about the things he cares about, about his heart? If you do, you're going to see God in those things. And it's good because what do you find yourself doing? Just being in awe of him even more? Whoa, that's so cool. Even in the littlest of things, guys, that's when it gets sweet. Just the littlest, bitty things. He's like, wow, there's your goodness. There's your faithfulness. There you are, God. Jesus did the same. He saw God's providence in the fall of a sparrow. He saw the generosity of God and the beauty of a lily. He saw in a farmer sowing his seed the word of God planted into the hearts of man. See, God's fingerprints and his footprints are clearly seen by the saint who has a pure heart. So seeing God through the eyes of the heart is not a momentary thing. It's constant, and it should be growing more and more and more. And it's just like, wow, God. Winston Churchill. He's another guy I feel like I know. Um, he said this, to build may have to be the slow, laborious task of years. To destroy can be the thoughtless act of a single day. Moses built a relationship with God before he asked, can I see your glory? Okay, that relationship took time. It was built, and God did. Lastly, when you start to see God, you also start to see what God sees. You see yourself in the light of God's glory. Again, Job said, I had only heard about you before. Maybe this morning you're hearing maybe some truths for the first time. Some things that are just maybe like, wow, this is making sense. Some things need to change. I need to get on my knees. I need to purify my heart. I need to cleanse my hands. I need to start walking with my God. Job said, I only heard of this before, but now I have seen you with my eyes. I take back everything I said. I sit in the dust and ashes to show my repentance. You see, the eyes see what the heart loves. If the heart loves God in his single in devotion, the eyes will see God. Let's pray.
Yeah, our prayer this morning, Father, is that you would help us to see beyond what is natural for us to see. Because we know that you are so beyond that. Yeah, you've revealed yourself through creation and it's so cool to consider those things. It's a blessing to be able to take a walk, to enjoy the sunlight, to enjoy snow on the ground or leaves beginning to bud or flowers. God, but there's those things that are beyond what we can comprehend in and of ourselves, Lord. So we would ask that you'd open our spiritual eyes. Father, help our heart to understand and to see you. Father, that's why you've given us a new heart. And I think sometimes we want to go back to what we know, the senses that we trust and have known. I pray that your Holy Spirit, Father, would just open up our hearts, our minds, our ears, our spiritual eyes, that we'd be able to see more of you to love you more. I pray that you give us just a desire, Lord, to just love you in ways, God, that we just can't get enough. That we can't get enough of hearing you, that we're in your word more and more than we ever have been before. God, would you please, in that great compassion and mercy of yours, Lord, give us where we lack Father, cleanse our hands, purify our hearts, Lord. Help us, Lord. I see that you're asking us to do this with you. And we thank you, Father, that you're there with us every step of the way. Amen? Amen.